Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate Nathaniel Paul Thurston, if you want to call me proper. And the cross for me right now is the one, the only, Sir Charles Lawrence Thompson. How's it going, man? Well, if you're watching live, we look like we're side by side. That yeah. is one continuous shelf. Nicely done there, Nate. I, it's it's evened up so well. It's a little bit, mine's a little bit lower, which is still bothering me. Just some, but it's okay. If they oh. say if things like that bother you, that you're like a psychopath or something. I don't know. Hmm. But I don't think I am. Well, yeah. <laughs> there's there's no way it would be me. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely hey, Another definitely question not. for you is, um, you know, every episode we lead in with another fantastic episode. It's just how many fantastic episodes in a row can we do? All of them. All of them. Yeah. That's a good answer. We're coming. Right? Apparently, they're pretty good. We're coming in once again today. Let me look once again. But uh, I think this is the most amount of plays we've had starting a new episode. I'm pretty sure. Pretty close. Right up there with yesterday. Nice. So the, the podcast continues to grow really quickly. And we cannot thank you guys enough. We got a few new Patreon supporters overnight last night. So welcome to all of you guys out there. And I need to check and make sure that I've let everyone in. If you are a Patreon supporter and you don't know where to go, you just go on to that there Facebook group and request to be in it. A lot of people are requesting to join this Facebook group. And I'm sorry, guys, you got to be members of the Patreon group. And some of the people that have requested to this podcast for any length of time, you know that Nate is all about walls. And yeah. so yeah. that's uh, physical walls, paywalls, all kinds of walls. And he has walls in his bedroom and walls in his car everywhere and he walks down the sidewalk with walls one time our band covered a song called walls <laughs> that's you know? right yeah. yeah so so nate's been surrounded by walls his whole life yeah that's that what, what are you gonna do <laughs> so that's not true if this is your first time listening i am vehemently against walls i think there's way better ideas <laughs> than that for sure what's that uh why am i thinking you can keep on knocking but you can't come in <laughs> i don't know why you're thinking it's, that it's the people all. trying to knock on yeah. the the Facebook group wall. Well, this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. Hit subscribe if you haven't already done that. I'm sure you were rushing to do it as soon as you heard that riveting conversation about walls and psychopathy and all kinds of different things like that. So anyway, hit subscribe, hit follow, leave a rating and review. That helps with all them there evil algorithms out there. So if it's your first time joining us, we talk life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day. Of the week. We're going to do a recap of the second night of the Democratic National Convention or the Demagoguery National Convention, as I call it. Was it over head. now? Or no, is... no, there's another night. There's more. Joe Biden has to give his acceptance speech at some point in time. I don't know when that is. It's tonight or Thursday or when. I don't care. But it gives us podcast content. So. When, he's having a, when he's having a good day. Yeah. He'll give his speech. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's having a good day today. <laughs> he remembered oh. how to tie his shoes this morning, so feels good to joke about be, Alzheimer's. I think today's going to be a good day for uh, for my dad. He's you know, oh god. Doing well. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> got to brush up on this. So you know, we talked about we wanted Trump to pardon Edward Snowden. Not everyone agrees, and there, there's a lot of people out there. We talked to people on both sides, and some of the people they like him, and some of the people they don't. You know. And uh, we just think he's been treated very unfairly, and I think that he should be able to come home and have a fair trial. 
And we talked about... There's good people on both sides, too. Yeah, yeah, there are. Unlike in Charlottesville, you know, yeah. just 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 not really the same thing at all. I've never met them. You've never met them, no. But you yeah. heard good things about them. The people in Charlottesville, no. no good <laughs> oh, okay. Thing. Yeah, no good things about those people. So, no. so But Edward Snowden, yes, good Ch- things. Charlie, Chuck over here, had mentioned that there were some whistleblowers in the past before Edward Snowden that had basically had their lives destroyed because they tried to... Break some news. The, take through it to the, the proper top. channels. They went through the proper channels, and they the the story here. You know, this comes from NPR.org, and this is actually from 2014. I just thought that it was a good article. One of our listeners sent it over to us because they had heard the conversation. So we'll run through this real quick. We already talked a lot about this, but this is kind of why we're I'm more defensive of Snowden, and I think, and I know you are too, because. There is not exactly, at that time anyway, there was not a great track record of whistleblowers going to their bosses or through the proper channels and then everything being okay after that and and the government changing its ways and all kinds of stuff like that. So I, I think we have to maybe take into account the situation he was living in at that time before before we make a lot of judgments on well, that. And think about this, you know, simply, right? So... If you are going to your superiors saying, hey, there are things illegal happening uh, that you're ultimately responsible for because you're the superior. Yeah. (laughs) And so uh, we're going to need you to turn yourself in, essentially. Like, in what world does that ever work for the most part, unless you're able to get a third party there who uh, where the, the, the people who want to protect their own interest can't? when they're doing something wrong. So like in no other world, does that actually work? Yeah, it doesn't. <clears throat> Do you want to do the article since I know you like this yeah. uh, topic a lot? Yeah. This coming from NPR. So, you know, you know, there's no right wing conspiracy here before Snowden, the whistleblowers who tried to lift the veil. Now this isn't the veil from game of Thrones. This is like the veil. This is the veil of like secrecy, like a, like a wedding veil. Yeah. It's not even pierce the veil. No. It's just a... You got to lift it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what they're doing. That's... They aim to lift it. <laughs> the veil. The veil. Yeah. Veil lifting. We're all about veil lifting around yeah. here. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Bill Benny worked for the National Security Agency. That's the NSA. Nearly three decades as one of its leading crypto mathematicians. They had crypto back then? Wow. <laughs> not cryptocurrency. It's... Yeah. He then became one of its leading whistleblowers. Now 70 and on crutches, both legs lost to diabetes, Benny recalls the July morning seven years ago when a dozen gun-wielding FBI agents burst through the front door of his home at the end of a cul-de-sac, a 10-minute drive from NSA headquarters in Fort Meade, Maryland. Quote, I first knew that they were in there when they were pointing a gun at me as I was coming out of the shower, Benny says. When I asked him why the agents were there, he replies, well, it was to keep us quiet. The NSA is overseen by Congress, the courts, and other government departments. It also, it's also supposed to be watched from the inside by its own workers. But over the past dozen years, whistleblowers like mm-hmm. Benny have had a rough track record. Those who tried unsuccessfully to work within the system, say Edward Snowden, the formal, the formal NSA uh, contractor who shared top-secret documents with reporters, learned from their bitter experience. So, and this is another reason... This is why Snowden said he did it the way that he did it, uh, because there were those arguing that there was a proper way for him to do it. If he would have done it the proper way, he would be fine. 
Well, history kind of shows that mm, that's not actually true. Yeah. So for Benny, the decision to quit Wait, the... In- can we call him Lieutenant Benny? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he's lost both of yeah. his legs. Yeah. Lieutenant Benny, <laughs> the decision to quit the NSA had become a whistleblower uh, and become a whistleblower began a few weeks after t- the terrorist attacks of September 11th 2001, when he says he discovered the spy agency had begun using software he'd created to scoop up information on Americans, all without a court order. Quote, I had to get out of there because they were using the program I built to do domestic spying, and I didn't want any part of it. I didn't want to be associated with it, he says. I look at it as basically treason. They were subverting the Constitution. Benny says he and two other NSA colleagues who also quit tried sounding the alarm with congressional committees. But because they did not have documents to prove their charges, nobody believed them. Snowden, he says, did not repeat that mistake. Quote, he recognized right away it was very clear to me that he wanted anybody, uh, that if he wanted anybody to believe him, he'd have to take a lot of documentation with him, which is what he did. Benny says, your life is never the same. And that's why Snowden has had such an impact. Others have tried to work within the system. For example, computer expert Thomas Drake thought blowing the whistle on what he considered unconstitutional NSA programs would shake things up there. Instead, what got shaking up was his own life. Quote, the only person who was investigated, prosecuted, charged in secret, then was indicted, then ended up facing trial and 35 years in prison was myself, he says. Drake had taken his case both to the NSA and to Congress. After concluding his complaints were going nowhere, he showed unclassified information from the NSA to a newspaper reporter. From that, he was charged with violating the Espionage Act. The FBI raided his home two, four months after Benny's. Quote, your life, your life's never the same. All your colleagues and people you used to work with all disappear. Your persona, non grata, you're radioactive. On top of that, you're spending tens of thousands of dollars defending yourself with a private attorney. So now you're practically bankrupt. You're declared indigent before the court. Your family's questioning who you are and that you've and what you're up to and why you brought all this on us. The case against Drake fell apart days before he was going to trial in 2011. He got off with a misdemeanor plea bargain and these days works at an Apple store. Like Benny, Drake thinks what happened to him was a cautionary tale for Snowden. Quote, Snowden carefully saw what happened to me and others and it was clear. There was no other recourse. I think that's probably good on that more than likely. Unless you want to go further. No, no. <clears throat> I think that's a good indication from other people that where terrible things had happened to them and there's one thing you can learn from history is that what's happened before is likely to happen again. Yeah. And so, and, and as they say, Snowden saw all of that. He talks about this in the documentary that was made. Uh, he saw what had happened to prior whistleblowers and knew that one to be believed, he had to have the documentation and two, there was no way to go through the proper channel because like what happened to, uh, Drake, he was charged in secret. He was raided in secret. Everything was secret. There was no publication about it. It wasn't until after he came out and gave the information to the newspaper. So everything was secretive. And so you had to, there had to be a way around it. I don't know what the right answer was, but if you're going to ask me, is it better that the American, is it better that the American public know, at least know, regardless of whether we can do anything about it. Is it better that they, that we know versus everything versus him trying to do it the proper way. And then we still have no idea to this day. Yeah. 
And I would argue that <laughs> I would argue the ends justify the means. That's what I would argue in this in this scenario. I would agree with that too. Um, I do think, you know, the, we talked the other day. He took more information than he probably needed to prove that what was going on was going on, but that was likely for insurance purposes. I would say, which is more than likely necessary. So that I I think that that is. I don't know. I th I think this is a pretty good article. I'm I'm glad that uh I'm glad this was sent to us. So we're appreciative of that. Guys, just so you know, you can always send an email to Nate at goodmorningliberty.us. Or if you wanted to go straight to my show notes, you can email something to Nate's podcast notes at gmail.com. And that is what I pull all of my podcast notes from. As Charlie knows, I literally won't look anywhere else. So that that's it. If you want to add something to his to-do <laughs> list, just go to Nate's to-do list at gmail.com. <laughs> This well, guy gotta... has an email for everything. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, so one other thing we talked about yesterday. So we went over the Democratic National Convention, and Bernie Sanders was out there talking about how it was Trump's fault that 170,000 people had died from the coronavirus, and this was all on his hands. And like, like even Kamala Harris said, this was preventable and blah, blah, blah. And the point that we were making was that people were, were saying that it, that at least a million people were going to die, if not 2.2 million people were going to die. And the White House put out this projection of up to 240,000 for, for the year 2020, and they just got lambasted over it. And I remember seeing it. I remember seeing charts, and it said it was a line graph, and it said, here's what all the models are predicting for people who are going to die. Here's what the real scientists are saying. And then it was, here's what the White House is projecting for how many people are going to die. And all the models were up there in the millions somewhere. And the White House was down here around 200, 240,000 for what they were projecting. And of course, this was just the administration trying to make the situation look better than what it actually was because they didn't want to talk about the fact that so many people were going to die and they didn't want the market to crash like it did. And they didn't want all the lockdowns to happen. So they were just making up numbers, pulling them out of a hat. And they were just minimizing the situation. And so what I thought, you know, if you're Bernie Sanders talking about, and listen, we're, we critique the, the Trump administration for sure. All right. But uh, I thought that if you were Bernie Sanders and you legitimately thought that one to two million people were going to die in the United States in 2020, that when we got to August and we're at 170 something thousand, that you'd be like, man. This is way better than what I thought it was going to be. We must have done something correctly because everything I looked at said it was going to be one to two million people. But of course, no, that's not the case. 170-something thousand people are dead, and that is solely Trump's fault in some kind of a way. The, the, political, the political gaslighting has just been completely disgusting lately. So I pulled an article that I remembered seeing uh, from right when the pandemic first hit. It says, experts and Trump's advisors doubt White House's 240,000 coronavirus deaths estimate. Leading disease forecasters, whose research the White House used to conclude 100 to 240,000 people would die nationwide from the coronavirus were mystified when they saw the administration's projection this week. The experts said they don't challenge the numbers validity, but they don't know how the White House arrived at them. White House officials have, used, have refused to explain how they generated the figure, a death toll bigger than the United States suffered in the Vietnam War, the 9-11 terrorist attacks, 
They have not provided the underlying data so others can assess its reliability or provide long-term strategy to lower that death count. Wait, hang on a second. You see what they do there? Yeah. Do you know how many you know how many people die a year? You know how many more people die a year than the Vietnam War, the 9-11 terrorist attacks? Yeah, it's like every year. Every single year from other causes. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, all the time. More people die from obesity every single year than what died in the Vietnam War. Like eight or nine times as many people die from smoking every year than died in the Vietnam War. Right. You know, <laughs> it's like, like every year. Like what? <laughs> so Why would you throw that comparison in there? They do that to like, to, you know. Well, they have to make it Trump's Vietnam. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what they have to do. That's where we're at. We've been looking for Charlie this whole time. <laughs> He's right here. <laughs> it's, right here. We're in Nam. <laughs> Get down. Shut, Shut up. up. <laughs> some of President some of President Trump's top advisors have expressed doubts about the estimate, according to three White House officials who spoke on the condition of anonymity because the government is terrible to whistleblowers. There have been fierce debates inside the White House about its accuracy. The IHME model initially estimated deaths through this summer would total up to 162,000 people. It's through this summer, so not too far off. A lower projection than many others and and beneath the White House's own estimate. But because of its lower figure and Burks' comments, experts believe it to be the main source for the White House's best-case scenario. Meanwhile, the White House appeared to rely on the Imperial College for its worst-case scenario, that study estimated as many as 2.2 million U.S. deaths if no action was taken, 1.1 million deaths if moderate mitigation strategies were adopted, and an unspecified number if real life actually happens. But as a common mathematician's referring goes, a model is only good, as good as the assumptions it is built on. What? <clears throat> so anyway. Oh, I thought you had to believe the models. No, you just have to trust the models. That's, That's why what I thought, you build I thought everything the models... Off of. Models yeah. were trustworthy. Yeah. You know? So, so I, I just wanted to bring, just to bring that up. I, I feel like that's, uh, I feel like it's pretty important if you were thinking that a million people were going to die and we're at 170,000, that maybe, it, I'm not saying someone did something right, but I'm saying maybe someone did something right. I mean, the estimates are freaking at the lowest of 20% lower or 20% of the number you thought it was going to be. You know, so what happened that was right? Why don't we ask the question, what happened that was right? Instead of Trump killed all these people, you know? I well, don't know. It's, not, it's not politically expedient, Nate. Yeah, I guess so. We knew this was going to happen. We talked <clears throat> about this. By the way, this show, you listen to, you have to listen to all the episodes. Take the 309, uh, nine. take yeah. the 309 episode challenge. And uh, go back and listen to what we said. Go all the way back to March when we were talking about this thing. And we I said the whole time, like, pay attention to what they're going to do. And I knew that they would use this against Trump regardless. I'm pretty sure I even said regardless of how many people actually die, it's all going to be Trump's fault. Of course. Right? Yeah. And that's exactly what the media was going to do. That's exactly what. Now, look, I'm not the biggest Trump fan. All right. I'm going to vote for Dr. Joe Jorgensen. I haven't seen anything. That would, you know, that would move me to vote towards anyone else besides the libertarian nominee because she's really good. And I agree with her probably on 99.7% of things. All right. I could go somewhere in that realm. Maybe. Yeah. There's a lot of issues out there. So I if don't you think like few issues you don't agree with, you're probably still in the 99% range. Yeah. It's somewhere around the survival rate for COVID 
is how many issues <laughs> we agree with Joe Jorgensen right. on. So yeah. So so it's like, but but I knew that this would this would happen, and then you know I was listening to uh, Thomas Massey on Tom Woods earlier today, which was really good. If you guys want to go check that out, and later, later, obviously, you know, listen to this one first, and he was talking about how you know he did the math himself and he's an mit graduate uh, mathematician he builds robotics and <clears throat> is he a crypto mathematician though i don't know okay probably he probably could be the guy's ridiculously smart and uh you know he was doing the math and, and all this stuff and he's like there's no way any of this is actually true and but regardless of what the if if it would have been five million or if it would have been ten thousand all of it was trump's fault the shutdown was trump's fault the, trump, the he didn't shut down enough he shut down too much he did this. He didn't do that. We got to stay shut down. We got to open <laughs> everything. That's all it was. So. <clears throat> Sorry, the live group is cracking me up right now. Mm -hmm. I didn't hear a word you just said. I know you're, yeah. Yeah, you don't pay attention was to reading. me at all when you read what the live group has to say. But anyway. Can, can you skip down to the Michelle Obama article? Because while we're, while we're debunking myths at the moment or gaslighting at the moment, I guess we're, we're debunking the gaslight at the moment. So I feel like it would be a good thing to stick on for the moment because the Associated Press actually called Michelle Obama out on, on a bold-faced lie that she was telling in her heartwarming and very serious speech that she gave mm. the other night. This is interesting. <clears throat> Coming from the blaze, thanks, Glenn. What a nice guy. Yeah, thanks for giving that to us, yeah. Glenn. Associated Press hits Michelle Obama with hard fact check on immigration talking point. The AP took former First Lady Michelle Obama to task over her Monday night remarks at the Democratic National Convention, insisting that the Trump administration caged children at the U.S. southern border. Obama, who appeared as a speaker on the first night of the DNC, insisted that President Donald Trump and his administration used cages to house migrant children on the U.S. southern border. During her dramatic speech, which you guys heard yesterday, if you go back and listen to the episode, Obama <clears throat> lamented the fact that devastated Americans were forced to watch in horror as children are torn from their families and thrown into cages. The former first lady, however, did not make mention of the fact that her husband, President Barack Obama, used the same facilities for the same purpose during his administration. <clears throat> The AP said that her claim was misleading at best, insisting that the former first lady made a distorted comparison. Michelle Obama assailed President Donald Trump on Monday for ripping migrant children from their parents and throwing them into cages, picking up on a frequent and distorted point made widely by Democrats. The AP reported she's right that Trump's now suspended policy at the U.S.-Mexico border separated thousands of children from their families in ways that had not been done before. But what she did not say is that the very same cages were built and used in her husband's administration for the same purposes of holding migrant kids temporarily. The AP added that Obama's continued reference to cages is misleading and a persistently distorted narrative. Why? They, they keep saying persistently distorted, misleading yeah. at best, distorted. Right. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's, it's gaslighting mm -hmm. at its finest. Parroted by Democrats since 2016. Mm -hmm. So Trump used the same facilities that were built during the Obama-Biden administration. Now imagine that. Joe Biden building cages. <laughs> that seems like something he would do. Did those kids get a three strike rule? Uh, they must have. <laughs> they are chain link enclosures inside border facilities where migrants are temporarily housed, separated by sex and age. The news organization looked 
took its fact-checking a step further, pointing out that viral photos of children in detention camps that Democrats circulated to to pillory Trump over a zero-tolerance policy at the border were actually taken in 2014. The photos, according to the report, depicted some of the thousands of uh, unaccompanied children held by President Barack Obama. Mm. Now, this is is not a defense of Trump's actions on immigration or anything like that. But you got to... You got to speak the truth every once in a while. And when I see blatant lying constantly, that's all this is. And last night, I mean, this DNC thing, the fact that it's all just that it's all just online. I mean, it looks like a terrible, cheesy telethon that's going on, like an infomercial (laughs) or a telethon that's going on. Did you watch it? No, but I watched probably an hour's worth of clips today to pull some stuff. It was that was bad enough. Yeah, that was. Enough. I don't need any more than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, just it's it's important to note that everyone is lying to you all the time, except for us. <laughs> so, <laughs> and Joe Jorgensen and right. Spike. Yeah. So only those people. Well, and Thomas. It's Massey, also important probably. to know, like, none of these people care about you. They actually don't even care about you at all. You know, the Obamas went from a million dollars in net worth to like four hundred million, something like that. <laughs> they care about themselves. I don't know if it went up that much, but it went up a lot. Something like that. Is it that high? Yeah. We'll have to look it up. Maybe it's 40 million. I don't know. 1 million to 40 million. But when you get over like 20, 30 million, who cares? Yeah, I know. Like you probably have enough. When my wealth gets over 200,000, I'm going to be like, who cares? I can live the rest of my life off of this. I got like 600 bucks left in my bank account. So that should last me, you know, three or four months. I mean, what is it? Like definitely a hundred million. You put a hundred million in a very safe low very like the least amount of risk possible interest bearing account i mean you could pay yourself like 200 grand a year for how much 100 million oh yeah yeah if you're smart and you can i mean even if you're an idiot you should be able to live the rest of your life yeah. off of that but especially if you're smart you should be able to live off of that you know a lot of people squander it though i know isn't that crazy look at all the look at all the lottery winners i know okay so we'll go over some of the dnc convention we'll start with aoc and go through some of this. It wasn't as, you know, terrible as I thought it would be. It was overly terrible, but I really thought it would be even terribler. But uh, it was just a, a, I don't know. She really didn't swing very hard, but she did nominate Bernie Sanders at the end of it, which is funny. Well, she only had 60 seconds, which is a crime. Yeah, Nate. it is. It's out of sexism is what it is. It's what it is, yeah. And people are against whatever... Latinx people or whatever. Which I don't is know. strange because she's so diverse. You know? <laughs> I know. Unlike Michelle Obama. You think that she would have... She is so diverse. <laughs> you think she would have had a, a minute for every check mark of diversity that she has. But I don't know. Which is a lot. Of, which is a hell, it's a, it's a hell of a lot of diversity. <laughs> All right. Let's see what she had to say. Good evening. Bienvenidos. And thank you to everyone here today endeavoring towards a better more just future Why didn't for she say our country gracias. and our world. Infidelity and gratitude to a mass people's movement working to establish 21st century social, economic, and human rights, including guaranteed health care, higher education, living wages, and labor rights for all people in the United States. A movement striving to recognize and repair the wounds of racial injustice, colonization, misogyny and homophobia and to propose and build oh god it says right there on the screen right now by the way that she is the co-chair 
of Joe Biden's climate panel. Mm. Mm. Wow. How about that? We imagine systems of immigration and foreign policy that turn away from the violence and xenophobia of our past. A movement that realizes the unsustainable brutality of an economy that rewards explosive inequalities of wealth for the few at the expense of long-term stability for the many. Okay. So we're suffering from the brutality of capitalism. So what she's saying of, of capitalism mm-hmm. and that we're, we're suffering because it doesn't capitalism's problem. The main problem is that it doesn't look long-term, you know, it, it, it's only looking for the short-term gains It never plans ahead. So what we need to do is establish a socialist economy because one thing that socialist economies are most known for is their ability to plan for the future That's- for sure. That's all the evidence we have. Well, look how much better all these other countries took care of their people during the coronavirus pandemic, Nate. Yeah. yeah, way better cases and death rates and all kinds of stuff. I mean, those socialist healthcare programs that they have in the UK and stuff. Yeah, perfect. Way better. Perfect. Way better. I mean, the, in the European Union, they have more deaths than we do. But don't look at that. Yeah, that that doesn't matter. Well. While we're playing these videos, try not to remember the fact that, you know, don't go, don't put your conspiracy hat on and think, is there any way that you would try to destroy an economy so you could market yourselves as the people who can fix it? Is there any way that you could do that? Remember, obviously, people on the left pushing harder for lockdowns, fanning the hysteria, fanning the riots, doing all these things doing working as hard as they can to put as many people on unemployment as they possibly can. And then you just have to listen to, Oh, this economy, the Trump's economy and, and, and the instability of our situation and all this, it's just purely disgusting to me. It's so disgusting. Well, government's been playing that game for years. I know that that's what all sides do, by the way. I'm not just hating on Democrats. Sounds like, sounds like she did. Did you see your eyes? You know? Oh yeah, they're crazy. Well, no. Also, she was reading like the oh, yeah. teleprompter for sure. If she wasn't so, reading, she'd be pointing her finger and yelling at people right now. It was really heartfelt. All right, Just let's see what else she's got. Could feel her heart. <laughs> and who organized a historic grassroots campaign to reclaim our democracy in a time when millions of people in the United States are looking for deep systemic solutions to our crises of mass evictions, unemployment, and lack of health care, <laughs> in el espíritu del pueblo, and out of a love for all people, I hereby second the nomination of Senator Bernard Sanders of Vermont for President of the United States of America. Of- I just love how, <laughs> like, this is obviously all just a rally around, supposed to be around Joe Biden. I just loved hearing at the end of it. I because of all these things that are wrong, I hereby second the nomination for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I just think that's kind of funny. I thought it was hilarious too. <laughs> well, the other thing she said there too at the end was like, when millions of Americans are facing, uh, what would you say, facing eviction, mm-hmm. losing their jobs, and their pueblos, and their <laughs> and, uh, and all this stuff, and uh, it's like, yeah, 
You're the one arguing to keep it shut down. I know. That's what I. That's, you want to keep it going. I gave prep for what we're about to hear. Okay. Yeah. We want to shut everything down, destroy the economy that obviously was is built on freaking sand. We know that. Okay. I'm not saying Trump's economy was the best economy that's ever existed in the whole world and everything. The market just is made perfect. new highs today. I know. It's like, it's, what? So, it's so crazy. What? But, you know, things were, our unemployment rate was it 3.5% or something like that? And and then this whole thing happens, and obviously we fan the flames of 2 million people are going to die, so we have to lock every single thing down. You destroy the economy. Way less people die than what you said were going to die, even if we did all those things. Way less people die. And then still, coming up to the election, oh, well, all these terrible... Don't forget, though, the IHME models... When they projected a million to two million deaths, we're taking into consideration social distancing. It was 1.1 million with mitigation measures and 2.2 million with no mitigation measures. That's yeah. So they still projected 1 million people with social distancing in place. Yeah. And we've seen mm, like 10% of that number, 15, 15%. Okay. Well, let's go to. I think I pulled one from Stacey Abrams. Let, let me see. Let me go in here. Where we'll we are this. and what we need. This year's choice could not be more clear. Faced with a president of cowardice, Joe Biden is a man of proven courage. He will restore our moral compass by confronting our challenges, not by hiding from them or undermining our elections to keep his job. In a time of voter suppression at home and authoritarians abroad, Joe Biden will be a champion for free and fair elections. Now, remember, she's talking about this. She's most famous for losing an election. You know, <laughs> that's 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 what she's famous that's for. That's what she's most known for. And of course, she's here to bring up the fact that we have unfair elections. So you got to play all sides yeah. of the game here. They're placing bets all over the place, you know. So, you know, we're, we're going to win, but also Joe's the best, but also I nominate Bernie, but Trump destroyed our economy, but also we can't open the economy. But if he does win, by the way, none of our elections are sound anyway, and Trump's trying to undermine the whole election process. And so whatever happens, they're, they're covering all the bases right here. Yeah, they're playing options. You know? They're yeah. doing vertical debit spreads. <laughs> Exactly. And they have an iron condor. They have an iron condor. All that stuff. (laughs) They're playing options. So they're betting both sides now. Oh, man. (laughs) To mitigate their risk, you know? (laughs) I mean, listen. Everything is a stock market. They're good at politics. They really are. Yeah. All the Democrats are amazing politicians and Republicans, too, for the most part. Amazing politicians. They're they're just not on the side where the, the big movement in society is. Um, but politicians gonna, gonna politic, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what they do. So let's see what else other, other dumb things she has. For a public health system that keeps us safe for an economy that we build back better than before and for accountability and integrity in our system of justice. Oh, cute. We stand with Joe Biden because this isn't just about defeating Donald Trump. We are in this to win for America. So let's get it done. There are countless stories of Joe Biden reaching out to someone in their moment of need. 
Well, this is our countries. There's also countless stories of Joe Biden reaching out to people when they did not want him to do that. Also, <laughs> right? Just so you know, <laughs> a lot of stories about that. He's touched a lot of lives. <laughs> That's really the only reason I put that clip in there. <laughs> oh, um, so good. All right, let's go. I don't even know who this lady is. Um, maybe she's a, a wonderful, wonderful lady. Yeah, I don't know. Perhaps. Moment of need. We need a president who respects our laws and the privilege of public service, who reflects our values and cares about our people. We need a president who will restore the soul of America. We need... Joe Biden. Donald Trump says we're leading the world. Well, we are the only major industrial economy to have its unemployment rate tripled. At a time like this, the Oval Office should be a command center. Instead, it's a storm center. There's only chaos. Just one thing never changes. His determination to deny responsibility and shift the blame. <laughs> <laughs> He just said that. He actually said it. He said it. He's telling. He's talking about someone denying responsibility for something. Shifts in the blame. It's one thing that never changes about the Oval Office. Dude, you're impeached for lying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't even play oh, that again. God. You have to play that again. Oh, that's too good. Instead, it's a storm center. There's only chaos. Just one thing never changes. His determination to deny responsibility and shift the blame. <laughs> the buck never stops there. Joe helped bring us back from a recession before, and he can do it again. In 2009, Barack Obama and Joe Biden started with the worst economy since the Great Depression. And when they were done, they delivered more than six straight years of job growth. Okay. Oh my uh, gosh, that's good. Politicians gonna politic, you know. That's that's what they got to do. I'm like, have you ever seen a larger group of people acting like just nothing? Nothing has ever happened before. Right now, we've never done anything wrong. Like, I mean, this is the craziest infomercial I've ever seen. I'd rather watch an infomercial for sure. I don't sure. even know how you can like get Bill Clinton up there to speak for your for your people. I don't know. Like, how would where's, you? Where's Hillary? Right? Isn't she up there? She's yeah. still out in the woods. We don't know where she is. She's still drinking. Yeah. She's drunk she's and upset. Too, she's too drunk to, to be at this convention. <laughs> it's, it's insane that he could even. Uh. Now, the talking point that they delivered six straight years of job growth, he did come from the fact that, oh, well, they inherited the worst economy since the Great Recession. Listen, uh, the what happened this whatever what happened while Bush was president and then the, the housing market collapse and all that. That's a real thing that happened, okay? Um, but we're doing this thing where we pull from the lowest number possible, and then we talk about how good the growth was after that. Now, when you're talking about the stock market, well, that's just terrible, because what everyone wants to do is pull the number from March 18th and say, oh, well, look how many gains they've made. Well, they probably have made some gains now. But this thing where you started from the lowest number possible, he did it twice in here, actually, and then you say, oh, look at the amazing growth we had. Well, yeah, when you start from a collapse of the economy, <coughs> your growth right afterwards is going to be really good. 
It's it's almost almost has to be. It's like if you have a stock that halts and then it gaps down a couple dollars and then it just pops up a hundred percent after that. And you're like, look at this stock. It just made a hundred percent move. Yeah. No, it no fell sh- down. Yeah. No shit, man. It just fell all the way down <laughs> from three forty down to a dollar seventy nine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it moved back up, but look at where it came from. All right. Everything's a stock market, guys. For sure. That's why you need to get in. The other thing he did was we're the only developed economy that's had that had a tripling of our unemployment rate. We've also looked, I mean, the unemployment rates in a lot of these other economies, these socialist economies are a lot higher, actually. A lot of them are. And we were experiencing like one of the lowest unemployment rates ever before this happened for the U.S. And so when you say our unemployment rate tripled, it's... Listen, it's still really bad, obviously, but I hate these kind of statistical manipulations. They drive me insane because once again, you're pulling from a super low number. So when it goes up to a certain point, you can say, oh, look, it increased so much. This is this is crazy. Well, you're pulling from a super low number, whereas if you're France and you're starting from 8% and you went up to the same unemployment rate that we went up to, then your number only went up by like 40%. Or something like that. You know what I mean? So it, it it drives me nuts when this kind of stuff happens. Yeah. I don't I don't know if anyone else shares those types of little ticks that I have. They probably don't even pick them up. I know. They're just like, oh, tripled. That's bad. Yeah, triple. Ooh. Tripled. Bad. Yeah. No. Ooh. All right. Let's see. Let's see who's next. I take powerful people up on my elevator all the time. When they get off, they go to their important meetings. Me. I just head back to the lobby. But in the short time I spent with Joe Biden, I could tell he really saw me, that he actually cared, that my life meant something to him. And I knew, even when he went into his important meeting, he'd take my story in there with him. That's because Joe Biden has room in his heart for more than just himself. We've been through a lot, and we have tough days ahead. But nominating someone like that to be in the White House is a good place to start. That's why I nominate my friend, Joe Biden, as the next president of the United States. Now, the most important thing- Who's that? that I actually don't even know who that was. That's, Maurice already said it. He obviously got close to you and took the picture in the elevator because he wanted to smell your hair. Let's just be honest. That's what it was. That's what was actually happening. But the little idea I picked up from that is, well, this is, he's a good guy. Okay, what's what's his policies on different? Th- can we? Is anyone talking about any of this whatsoever? The whole thing is about how terrible Trump is, and Joe's a good guy. He's your Don't friend. You guys remember, his son died. Come on, yeah, his friend. You know? I, he's my friend, and and th- that is not that that is not criteria for being president. Trump doesn't meet the criteria for being president either. Okay, but the argument that someone uh, is caring is not a Great quality for a president to have. If you're too caring, you could end up making a lot of terrible decisions based on your over the the overbearing caring, <laughs> caring bearing, caring that you have, caring, caring, yeah, too much caring, yeah. And you can end up making a decision because you feel bad for one person that ends up hurting a hundred. Or like, say you're going to try and prevent a um, hundred or two hundred thousand COVID deaths. And then you end up killing like a million people down the line because you sent everyone into poverty. 
you know, you can end up making really bad decisions based on stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So let's play. Now, this is the moment that we were all waiting for. Well, you look, you know, Bill Clinton was mostly faithful. He was. To Hillary. He was. So he was a mostly faithful guy. Yeah. And he's good at saxophone. Never forget that Bill Clinton's good at saxophone. <laughs> it's Kenny G squared. So, <laughs> so the moment we've all been waiting for, they're going to unveil who gets the nomination for president. And I have no idea who it's going to be. I heard Bernie got a few votes. Oh. Okay. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's incredibly awkward. Charlie, I do wish you could watch this stuff live, and I don't know how to make it happen. <laughs> That's okay. You see it delayed. It's incredible. Just imagine... It, imagine your grandpa, great grandpa, being on like FaceTime and you're having one of those weird FaceTime birthday parties for him and he doesn't know where to look and he actually doesn't know what's going on whatsoever, but he's just going to smile and stand up. <laughs> All right. Our friend, Delaware, Joe Biden. So, you know, it was me. It was me. I had no idea. Thank you to all our delegations. I'm pleased to announce that Vice President Joe Biden has officially been nominated by the Democratic Party as our candidate for President of the United States. Well, thank you very, very much. From the bottom of my heart, thank you all. It means the world to me and my family. And I'll see you on Thursday. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, so that was weird and awkward and strange. Why was he holding his mask in his hand? I don't know. The The girl behind him had a mask on, and he's like just he, out there spewing spit all over the place. I don't know. See? Look. Look right there on the screen. Mm. That's not safe. And her shirt says no malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is crazy. It's just totally... This is a telethon. That's all it is. It's a telethon or an infomercial. I don't know which one it is. Okay, uh, I just love it. I knew this year would be good. Oh my gosh. The next thing is it's difficult because they brought on someone who has ALS, very serious disease. And they had him talk about how terrible our healthcare system is. And he was talking through a he can't really speak. He's talking through a computer and obviously going on about how terrible the healthcare system is. And you have to sympathize. And this is, this is politics at its peak. This is peak politics right here. When you bring up a guy who can't even speak and have him talk about how terrible the healthcare system is. This is like, I mean, they, they do this all the time. It's amazing what politicians will do. They will go to any, any mean necessary to justify their end. For sure. So let's listen to what the guy had to say about healthcare. Hello, America. My name is Audie Barkin, and I am speaking to you through this computer voice because I have been paralyzed by a mysterious illness called ALS. Like so many of you, I have experienced the ways our healthcare system is fundamentally broken. Enormous costs, denied claims, dehumanizing treatment when we are most in need. With the existential threat of another four years of this president, we all have a profound obligation to act. Not only to vote, but to make sure that our friends, family, and neighbors vote as well. We must elect Joe Biden. Each of us must be a hero for our communities, for our country. And then, with a compassionate and intelligent president, 
we must act together and put on his desk a bill that guarantees us all the health care we deserve. Text vote to 30330 to learn how to vote safely, because our lives depend on it. Okay. Mm. So how do you argue with that? I mean, honestly, what do you say? Well, you can. You just have to separate out the the emotion from it. ALS is very serious. And well, this uh, is just terrible that they do stuff like this. Honestly. I know it's disgusting to me. It is so disgusting. They pulled that they had the girl whose dad had died speaking the previous night. You know, her dad probably rolling in his grave right now out there with her talking about how his pre-existing condition was trusting Trump, and that's why he died was because of Trump because he was a Trump supporter. Mm. I mean, what a thing to do to your dad after he dies. And then they'll just blatantly use people like this guy who has ALS and put them up there to talk about one of their policy reforms that's honestly just going to kill a lot of people. And the other thing I don't understand, it's like, look, I'm sure his medical expenses are outrageous. Yeah. I, I get all that. But this guy, he's not on the street. He's in a chair with a computer talking for him in what appears to be a decent house. Yeah. With a nice shirt on. It says be a hero. Like I what kind of destitution is he does he end? Well he can't walk or move or talk or well, anything. Well, I know I know that. Yeah. I'm not saying that, but I'm like, in what how could it be any better yeah, than I what know. you have right now? Like the he didn't get ALS because we don't have universal health care. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. That was gonna happen either way. Yeah. And any other time in history, I mean, my God. Didn't uh, Stephen Hawking had this, right? Um, I think maybe or because it's ALS is Lou Gehrig's disease, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what Stephen Hawking had. Same thing. And it's like, what in what other time could you be better served with the, such a horrible disease? It's it's awful. There's no cure, by the way, to this thing. Yeah, MS is MS is similar, not the same, but similar, I think. Um. And so it's like there's no cure there's no cure for these diseases so far. They're absolutely brutal and terrible. And it's like I I wish it upon no one whatsoever. But it's not because universal healthcare doesn't exist. You don't think that people in the in the UK or Italy and other places have ALS? <clears throat> they definitely do. Yeah. Now what's the difference? They they have free bills, I guess. They don't have any bills for their ALS. They, it's not actually free, but, but, uh, I guess at point of sale, it is, uh, it's not going to cost you anything as long as all the things that you need are actually written into the law for them to be able to pay for. Right. If there's anything new that comes out. You may or may not get it. You know, they, they might not allow you to do that. It's just disgusting to me because it's difficult to argue with. Um, but regardless of how emotional people make the argument, you still have to keep your head on straight and make a logical argument. And the logical argument for why we should have Medicare for all does not exist. There's an emotional argument for it, but there's not actually a logical argument for it. We don't have a free market healthcare system. We, we don't have a free market overall. And the idea that somehow the government is going to fix all these problems is fairly laughable if it were not so serious. It's still laughable, but it's also still very serious. It's insane. So... Very, very frustrating to me. And like I said, downright, it's, it's downright disgusting that politicians do stuff like this. Mm-hmm. 
So that is my recap of DNC Telethon Night Two. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, it's nuts. Telethon infomercial. You you be the judge. It's definitely one of those things for sure. And uh, I've got one more. What time are we at right now? Fifty two. Fifty two. We got time. There's this really cool video going around uh, um, of this guy oh, crap, of this guy just giving it to these lawmakers, and uh, I, I think this is in California. I'm pretty sure. We'll see. But Charlie, you're gonna love what this gentleman has to say. I don't know why it's coming through so distorted, but um, the words that he has are exactly what I want to say right now, except for the very end of it. Um, don't, don't totally agree at the very end, but the rest of it's really good. Um, I wasn't going to speak. I was asked to speak here, you know, uh, Sheriff, good to see you. Um, I'm telling you guys, you know, I'm pretty appalled at what's going on. You know, at first we sat as concerned citizens and we all wanted to figure out how to best navigate our way through this whole COVID thing, you know. And uh, as, as we realized that it's not quite as dangerous as we thought it'd be, you know, I was absolutely appalled and cowardice, you know, and as you're sitting there with the masks on, uh, I don't blame you for wearing masks because I'd be hiding my face too if I was you for what you're doing. It's absolutely horrendous what you're doing. These people, I'm a business owner, and, uh, and I'm telling you, our families are starving. You know, you guys can sit here with your jobs, you can sit here and you're going to get paid, you can fall asleep in your chair like that gentleman's doing behind his mask right there, okay? Uh, and I'm telling you right now, that right now we're being peaceful. And, and you better be happy that we're, we're good citizens, that we're peaceful citizens. But it's not going to be peaceful much longer. Okay? And this isn't a threat. I'm not a criminal. I've never been a criminal. But I'm telling you, good citizens are going to turn into real concerned and revolutionary citizens real soon. And nobody else is going to say that. I'm probably the only person that has a boss say what I'm saying right now. That we're building, we're organizing, and we'll work with law enforcement or without law enforcement. But you won't stop us when time comes because our families are starving. And if you don't hear the seriousness of my voice, I hope you open your ears. And you absolutely listen to what I'm saying. Because this is a warning for what's coming. It's not going to be peaceful much longer. It's not going to be rah rah. It's not going to be speeches. It's not going to be gathering outside saying Pledge of Allegiance. It's not going to be waving flags. It's going to be real. When you see the things that I've seen, I went to war for this country. I've seen the ugliest, dirtiest part of humanity. I've been in combat. And I never want to go back again. But I'm telling you what, I will to save this country. If it has to be against all the citizens, it will happen. And there's a million people like me. And you won't stop us. Open the county. Let our citizens do what they need to do. Let owners of businesses do what they need to do to feed their families. Take the masks off. Quit masking and muzzling your children. The psychological damage you're doing to them is horrible. I've had six friends kill themselves since it's happened. Veterans who lost their jobs. How do you feel about being complicit in perpetuating that? The greatest coach ever perpetuated on the American people. And you're part of it by wearing your masks. In Shasta County, we're supposed to be red country up here. Not blue country, we're red country up here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> wow. It's pretty good. Pretty good speech. Yeah. <clears throat> now, Somebody had to say it. So what, he, what he's basically talking about is... Get your shotguns. We're going to town. Yeah, <laughs> break out your shotguns. We're going to town. That's what he said. And, uh, you know, he said it's not a threat, but it is a warning. And this is, this is not, we're not going to be peaceful for long. And I'm just saying, we've seen what is going on around the country with a bunch of people who aren't big Second Amendment rights activists being only somewhat unpeaceful. But when you get to the point <laughs> where people like us have hit the breaking point and we're no longer going to be peaceful, 
going to be a lot, a whole lot different. Well, and the other thing is like when you get to the point where you can't feed your family, you turn homeless. What else do you have to lose? What do you, you know do? what I mean? What are you going to do? Just sit there and starve, right? Get taxed to death forever. Yeah. Well, there's nothing else to lose. And that, that breaking point could come yeah. now, of course, like we obviously don't advocate for violence. I don't want to see violence. I hope that we can, we can solve this in a diplomatic way, but at the same time, like he said, there's a million other guys out there like him and you're not going to stop us. And that's true. The, the, the great, one of the greatest things about America is the fact that we do uh, own weapons. And in fact, we, there's, there's more guns in America than there are citizens. And so it doesn't matter how, what, how much firepower that the United States military has, because we've seen in places like Vietnam and other places when you have guerrilla insurgencies that are just not willing to give up and they have an, enough people <clears throat> that you'll, you'll ultimately ultimately win. Yeah. And so, um, you know, of course, like I said, I don't want to see any violence and hopefully we can find some kind of normal in the next maybe 10 years. Who knows? You, you sound like Mel Gibson at the beginning of the Patriot right now, but you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> but mark my words, this war will not be fought on the frontier. Some distant battlefield. Some distant battlefield, but amongst us, among our homes. Our <laughs> children will learn of it with their own eyes. And the innocent will die with the rest of us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So remain vigilant. Listen, we're not calling for an uprising yet. All right, but we'll send out the code word. I smell some boogaloo tea. And we'll start putting together the code word in the, each episode of the podcast. <laughs> and as we spell out yeah. the code word, you guys will know. And once that code word is final, then it's time to toss the tea, as Sam always <laughs> says. Sam's been calling for us to toss the tea overboard for yeah. a while now. So you might get your day, Sam. You might get it. I don't know. All right, guys, are you good with that? We don't really have time to go into a, yeah, any of the yeah. other five articles that we have. So, uh, Charlie, thoughts on the DNC convention? What do, what do you think? Well, you know, I was really pulling for Bernard, and unfortunately, it looks like he slipped through the cracks mm, once again. That's too bad. And uh, he might, I don't know if he'll be able to run again. He's I don't getting, know. He's getting up there. He's more there than Biden is. But luckily, he'll be able to write another book and probably purchase another home before he passes. And... Uh, <laughs> this is this is going to be I just think it's going to be really interesting. Honestly. And do you think he's going to leave his homes to his family or do you think that he's going to adhere to the inheritance tax and give away all of it when he dies? That'll I'm be sure interesting he'll to be see. Just as charitable as he's been his entire life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he'll probably donate about mm. 5% of his inheritance away <laughs> or of his uh his estate. His estate will be about 5%. What future book earnings will go to uh, the Democratic Socialist of America? <laughs> that group. I don't know. What do you, I mean, what do you make of it? I mean, obviously, I knew we all knew Biden was going to be the nominee. That's, that's point number one. Uh, point number two is we knew that they would use the pandemic and the shutdown and everything against Trump. And then three, they would paint this colorful picture about how. Biden's just the guy next door. <laughs> you yep. know, he's your friendly neighbor with a smile on his he face. That old man wandering around the neighborhood. <laughs> You're right. And Biden's just like him. It's just like him. Yeah. You, you wave at the people walking down the sidewalk, the old couple and 
You know, the old man in the middle of the street knocking on your door to come in because yeah. he forgot where his home is. <laughs> you see that guy all the time, and he's a nice fella. And that's uh, what Joe That's what Joe is, yeah. Uncle Joe. <laughs> and that's the picture they're going to paint. They're going to say exactly what they said, which is we're in a desperate time. And never before have we ever needed to vote for a Democratic president than we do right now. In a, and, and Joe's the man. Yep. He's the one that'll get it done. Trump destroyed all this. Now you must put us in power so we can fix it. Never mind. Joe Biden has been in government for 47 years or something like that. It's a ridiculous amount of years. Yeah. So, but magically, if he becomes president, then we're all saved. Yeah. And so your, your voice matters. Get, get out and vote. It's tempting. You know, <laughs> all right, guys, if you're interested in trading in the stock market, then go to mastermystonks.com. Exciting news for everyone that's in the class right now. We're starting an affiliate program. So if you'd like to make a little bit of extra money, if you got any friends you think would be interested, we'll be sending out an email here in just a little bit, giving you an affiliate link and you can make 25% of whatever people you get to sign up, bring in for the class. So if you want to get some of your... Sounds like <clears throat> hell of a deal, man. You want to get a few of your friends or four of your friends to sign up, then actually you'll just have a free class at that point in time. And uh, picking up all the knowledge at the same time. If you think it's a good value, then you can consider telling everyone about it. So you can go on That's there. That's like killing two <clears throat> birds while you're stoned. Exactly. Yeah, you get to learn how... To, you're learning how to trade and then you're helping your, uh, your buddy, your uncle out. You hit the nail on the nose, man. Good job. <laughs> So go to mastermystonks.com. We day trade every day and we trade live every day. So you can go on and select the live option and watch us trade live. We had a crazy stock run up for no apparent reason today, all the way up to 350%. And then the news came out that... Uh, Got halted for almost four hours. <laughs> halted for about four hours and then opened up way, way down. But luckily I had sold just before that and actually uh, maurice one of the guys in the class had sold just before that too and it went on a crazy run right before that so anyway trading is risky and if you don't have any money to risk do not trade with money that you cannot lose because that will end up making you lose the money but there are opportunities in the market every single gall darn day so go to mastermystonks.com and if you are already in the class which a lot of you are you'll be getting an email about how to be an affiliate and you can make some extra money on the side. So go do it. We make more money. You make more money. There you go. Everybody's making money. People having people. It's, it's a powerful thing. I scratch your back. You uh, you uh, do the same thing. Something like that. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so <laughs> sign up for the Patreon so you can get on on this live group. We had, a, we had quite a few signups over the last couple of days, but one person in particular that came on was one of the first people to drop, to join the live show today and introduce himself. So welcome, Andrew. You can be just like Andrew if you want to be. Sign up and get in on, on this crazy group. There's a hundred and <clears throat> there's 181 comments in the group right now. So that's, and that's we, what we can see. We can't repeat most of it. So if you guys want to get in on that group, <laughs> then it's fun. I promise. There's 181 comments. Everyone chatting back and forth. I don't even think they listen to us. I think they just get in here so they can chat back and forth with each other while we're talking. It's a yeah, you know, it's a hangout. But sesh. that's cool. I like it. Yeah. So do that by going to Patreon.com/slash Good Morning Liberty. That's Patreon.com/slash Good Morning Liberty, and it only costs you five bucks a month. Of course, we have other tiers with um, with more goodies that you'll receive in about six to 12 months somewhere around there so <laughs> sign up for whatever tier the masks say they've been the, shipped and so we're just the masks say they've been shipped awaiting their arrival we're, yeah we're waiting so, awaiting the mask yeah. arrival 
And then so, they'll have to be shipped again. <laughs> <laughs> so go to patreon.com slash good morning liberty and then please continue to share the show. As Nate mentioned, we are literally at the the highest amount of listeners we've ever had. And the, every single day I look at it, I'm like, this can't be real, but it actually is. And so that's all because of everything that you are doing. And then please leave us a rating and review. We got a bunch of new reviews coming in the last uh, month or so. And I just looked at them yesterday. So literally I, I I'm probably the most humble person I know, but you guys may really make a humble guy feel good. You know? <laughs> and uh, let me tell you something. I need that ego boost. All right. I, it sounds I, like it. Yeah. Yeah. I am. I'm so humble. I need that ego stroke. Yeah. So please swing by your local Apple podcast uh, app or Spotify. You can't leave reviews on Spotify. Gosh, dang it. And Spotify. leave a rating and review on Apple because it's the only real place that you can leave it. So, yeah. and uh, if you guys don't know, all of that actually helps. We had literally someone to, uh, was it today who sent us a yeah. message and they found our podcast by uh, Googling um, the, the best libertarian podcast or top libertarian podcast or whatever. And the reason why we're ranking so high is because all of you guys are taking the time to leave that rating and review, which is uh, way more important than you think. So, Continue to do that. We find new people every single day. We're converting people to liberty, and that's the most important thing to keep this message growing. So uh, really appreciate all of that from all of y'all. So if you do all of that, all of it, <laughs> and I'm going to give you a little bit to, to do it. So do it. We'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning. Liberty. <laughs>